So what they just skippily welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's. Um, going to be doing uh, a different mode today where I'm just going to take a bunch of Latin and Greek words, vocabulary. I'm going to say what they are in Latin. I'm going to say what they are in Greek. Then I'm going to give the translations of said word. And then I'm going to give derivatives of where we get that word from and where it crops up within our medical nomenclature. Nomen, again, meaning name, right? Nomen in meaning name. And clature actually refers to... It comes from clare in Latin, which means to call, which then... Um, uh, there we go. What's the word? Clara to call then translated and formed into and metamorphized into clatura, which means a calling or a summoning, which then they put nomen meaning name, clatura meaning a calling or summoning, put those two together meaning nomenclatura, then became nomenclature. Nomenclature, really, what is nomenclature? It's just um, a list of um, scientific words that are that create this medical system okay so nomenclature is um it's just a way in which we call and uh, it's just classification codification it's a glossary of all these different uh terms in the medical field so without further ado let's get on into them we're gonna go um because this was actually a part of my capstone research when i finished my latin um ba so what i did is i bridged medical terminology with latin and greek prefix and suffixes so this is why i love and have kind of transitioned into this love of etymology because it first started out as latin and then understanding language more and then understanding that i should have probably taken greek more because greek is so in influential in our language as well as latin um and also Greek gets a bad rap because it is deemed an ancient and or archaic language. Although, you know what? No, it's not. It's not because it's very objective. It's set in stone. And it's where we get all of these deriv derivatives uh, from that uh, you know that I very well talk about. So without further ado, why don't we start Latin vocabulary first with abdomen. Abdomen, abdominis, which... I'll give, for some of them, I'll give both the nominative singular as well, as well as the genitive singular. Remember, when you look things up in a Latin dictionary, they're going to give you both the nominative and the genitive singular because a lot of the time the nominative is a regular. So we have to go to the genitive singular to provide us the information that we need to know, whether it is first, second, third, fourth, fifth declension, masculine, feminine, or neuter, all of which, well, if I look at abdomen, an abdominis, abdominis rather, that looks like a third declension masculine feminine word, which means body or cavity. This is where we get abdomen from, rectus abdominis. Rectus meaning erect, meaning upright. Also the word abdominal. So abdomen basically means body or cavity. It's where we get the word abdomen. How about acetabulum? Acetabulum, interesting. This is a Greek one, actually. Uh, this means vinegar cup in Greek. Acetabulum actually um, is they named the acetabulum as such is because if you look up a picture of it online, it looks like a vinegar cup. Also, the reason why they did this kind of stuff or why they renamed it as such is because Greeks and uh, 
Romans, both, used to uh, dip a lot of things in vinegar. So they always had these vinegar cups sitting out on their tables in their triclinium, a.k.a. the dining rooms or um, in their atriums or whatever, where they would dip foods in, you know. That's where we get probably like ceviche from, I think. that, But also it's where we get the typical baguette and then dipping it in, you know, some vinaigrette, some uh, balsamic vinaigrette with olive oil. You know, that's a very, very Mediterranean dish. And it all came from, well, the, the, their love of vinegar. There are other people that very much love vinegar as well. If you guys love pickles, you all love that brine. I love that brine. It's just got to be careful because it's fairly acidic. Anyways. We have our next one, which would be acutus, which means sharp and or pointed, which means acute. Something that is acute that happens has no un anything underlying, no pathophysiological um, indicators as such. When it's acute, it's the opposite of chronic. Chronic is something that they have uh, a little bit more understanding of as it's been ongoing. Chronic, chronos meaning time. Chronic refers to a typical... Um, you know, condition that somebody deals with on a lifetime basis. Whereas if it's acute, it happens right then and there. You're presented to the emergency room as such, and it's just happening. Like if you have acute pancreatitis, you get that if you chug a crap ton of energy drinks all at once. I actually read a study on this. It was 12, 12 in 10 minutes, and the guy had acute pancreatitis because not only all the caffeine, but all of the other ingredients within energy drinks, um, you know, it, it creates this severe pancreatitis, itis referring to inflammation, pancreas referring to the pancreas. Um, but we aren't going to really see the long-term effects of all of this energy drink usage until later on, because uh, seldom can we actually just take somebody, flay them open and examine their pancreas because the pancreas is one of the more deeper visceral um, muscles. The reason why I say visceral is because we have also, we have things like subcutaneous fat, like the fat that you can pinch with your, uh, um, under your skin. That's subcutaneous, sub meaning under, cutaneous referring to cute, cutaneous, which refers to skin. Um, but you also have visceral fat. Visceral is the, the deep underlying fat that surrounds your internal organs. That's the stuff that is actually really problematic that you shouldn't have. So if you have distended guts a lot of the time and you aren't a drinker and you don't have cirrhosis, most likely or not, you're, um, accumulating a lot of visceral fat in your body and that's a bad thing subcutaneous fat is not a problem uh we all need it you know fat is essential in order to uh regulate our hormones in our body we don't really realize that until hey take a look at a bodybuilder for instance when they get peeled and shredded for a competition like they get diced to the bone guess what happens the dudes they have no libido whatsoever. They they have no sex drive. They have no zest for life. Their testosterone is completely skibbitabopped uh, to the, the to the zero nth degree. 
and women are dealing with amenorrhea or um, I, for, uh, the, the term where uh, they are also not having their periods. They are, you know, uh, dealing with other uh, probably it, it, it's just it's not healthy to be at a, a low body fat percentage for long periods of time. You can for certain periods of time. I'm sure that's fine and all that stuff, too. But um, and it's it's very interesting because on the other hand, when you are morbid, morbidly obese and you're a man, you have um, an excess amount of estrogen because um, when you have more fat, you actually have an excess amount of estrogen as well that can go through the body. Uh, fat is estrogenetic. Um, that's why uh, if you can look um, at the, physio the physiology of a woman versus a man, you see how um, the fast fat distribution is different for a man versus a woman. Typically for a man, if you were to start, you know, laying on into the Takis and the donuts and all that, um, all that bread, just getting fat and sassy and all that good stuff. Um, you start to, you, well, if you, typically men will start to gain that subcutaneous fat around their midsection first, that's kind of where our, um, where it, it it's, um, I'm not going to get into it, but if you notice for women, women tend to hold most of their weight and their fat in their actual limbs, like their lower limbs. And that's why in body competitions, bodybuilding competitions, you can see that women and men, when they get to the same amount of body fat, fat percentage, women have super lean midsections as opposed to men, but they don't have nearly as lean, uh, femurs as opposed to men it's a very weird but it kind of makes sense right women were uh, we they uh, accumulate that kind of um that body fat because of biology and you know i'm not going to get into it because i think that when i start to get into this kind of stuff even though it's physiology and based in physiology and biology and science i start to make people upset and it's not my intention i'm just trying to show you that there are clear differences between um the genders and uh and i i've seen that and um yeah we're just getting into it and i'm going on a tangent because i've had a lot of coffee and uh sorry i'm a little delirious but we're going to get into the next one after which we're going to get into the aveolus aveolus refers to um or rather alveolus small or hollow it's a cavity a pit a sac or a cell that's what it means in latin at alveoli is a little cell. How about axilla? Axilla refers to an, your armpit. If you didn't know, your axillary uh, region or axial region or axillary, infraaxillary is all your armpit. As well as, uh, for instance, your inguinal region. If I dive on down to I, inguin, inguinese means groin. Your inguinal region is actually where your groin is. Supra inguinal would mean that it would be above the inguinal region, aka probably around my abdomen, aka my rectus abdominis. And then deeper would be my transverse abdominis. The transverse referring to across. Transverse abdominis is what uh, is a part of the abdomens that actually suck your stomach in. That's when, if you guys have ever heard of um, people doing stomach vacuums, I used to do it a lot in yoga, but now it, uh, it's a resurgence because uh, it was a bodybuilding thing that they did way back when. Arnold, 
uh, did it a lot as well as uh, what's his name? The guy that had a really good physique. I really liked his physique way back when. What's his name? Um, he was the shark. I think is what it is. Anyways, I don't remember it now, but I will at some point. Anyways, they uh, those stomach vacuums. Anytime you suck in your stomach. There are so many different aspects of your abdomen that you don't know. You have your obliques as well, the ones on your side, as well as, well, it, your your erectus um, spinatus, your low back. That is also a part of your core. So if you didn't think about it, the core is really just everything that's with uh, the, the middle of you, the core of you. What is the core of you? Well, it's your stomach and your your ability to, well... When you strengthen your core, you strengthen a lot of different aspects uh, within your life. Uh, my squat went up when I strengthened my core because your core is what helps you transfer that that power. If you hold it and you brace it, your, your core is strong. You're able to – like think about how you can lift more weight when uh, you have a weight belt uh, around your waist versus when you don't. Same thing. It's basically just mimicking that transverse abdominus effect. Gonna stop now. I'm getting into a weird bodybuilding tangent right now. I'm gonna stop it. Axis. Because now from axilla, armpit, we're gonna go to axis, which refers to an axle or axis. This is where we get the word axial or subaxial or axipedal. Axi referring to axis and then pedal referring to pedes, which which means foot. Bacillum. Bacillum actually looks like bacillum or bacillus, almost like one of those probiotic strains. It refers to a little rod or staff, a rod-shaped bacteria, bacilliform, a pre-bacillary, there you go, and bacillima. Next one we have is bractea. Bractea means a thin metal prate. This is where we get brachia or bract. Another one, brevis. Brevis, remember, is spelled brevis. Brevis, like brevity, means short. This is where in uh, our physiology, medical nomenclature, we get adductor brevis, and we get the breviflexor or the breviflexor. So the short flexor, essentially, right? The brow reflexor, it's part of the foot. Capillus. Capillus, what is a capillary? Well, it means hair or a minute bodily vessel. Interesting that those can both be intertwined in Latin, but hairs essentially are fed little um, vessels of blood, and that's uh, what provides the nutrients for it to grow. So in a way, there are... Some similarities there. It's where we get the word capillary, capitulum, uh, intercapillary, inter meaning between. Next one we have is caput, C-A-P-U-T, and then it would capitis would be the genitive plural, singular. I want to finish my coffee there so I can keep this uh, super tangent going. Uh, caput, capitis, refers to head. This is where we get the occipital, hmm. occipital lobe, a part of, a part of your head. 
ox actually refers to ob, which means against, right? So the occipital is against the head. Suboccipital, under the head. Capitulum, again, is actually where we get it from. And uh, it's also where we get the word biceps, right? Because bi means two. Seps refers to actually it's a derivation of caput, which means head. So bicep refers to two heads. And if you didn't know, your bicep is two muscles as opposed to your tricep, meaning three muscles. Remember when we got into that last episode? Yes, Rooney. Yep, yep. And then in between, you have your uh, brachioradialis. Um, and that is the uh, the in-between muscle that you can sometimes see if you train a lot. I, some, uh, for some reason, have a very pronounced one as opposed to my biceps. Also, my, my limbs are just long. So my forearms are like basically the same size as my upper arms, I would say. So ah, such is the life of having long limbs. Makes it easy for me to impress myself doing deadlift, but it's humbling when I do squat. But I did realize recently that I, I'm, a, I'm getting strong again. I maxed out at 225 on squat with a lot better depth than I have in the past. So um, at the weight of 144 right now. So slowly gaining weight, slowly gaining strength. That's the goal as per the use. Next one we're going to get into cerebrum. Cerebrum refers to the brain in Latin. This is where we get subcerebral or cerebrum or cerebral. The, another one, cervix or cervicis means neck. This is where we get cervical, cervix, or cervical, dorsal. if you've ever heard of that term before. Won't get into it, but it's just a, a derivation that I wanted to mention. Kilium, kilium, actually spelled cilium, like C-I-L-I-U-M, means eyelid, or... Um, in, in some cases, it can refer to a hair-like process, like a cilia or a papacil. Next one we have is clava. Clava means club. This is where we get the clavicle or the clavate or the subclavate. Clavis means key or collarbone. This is where we get clavicle or subclavicular. Columnin or columen looks like column. Columinis. This is where we get a lot of tissues. We have the columnar tissue, pseudocolumnar, uh, squamous, pseudostratified squamous epithelial. Uh, I don't even know. I, it's been so long. I do remember all those terms, though. But I, and I remember what they look like underneath a microscope. But that's about it. So columnar, though, refers to tissue because the tissues are actually kind of arranged in columns. Cortex or cortices refers to a bark or an outer layer. This is where actually we get the cerebral cortex, as well as costa. Costa is means rib in Latin, and costa is where we get intercostal in between the ribs. Or iliocostalis, that's also another muscle um, that hooks on into the ribs, and if it gets strained, it can pull the ribs out of place, and then you have a... Um, a subluxated rib, and man, those are those are not fun whatsoever. Okay, we're back. I'm just going to do a few more, and I'm going to split this into a few segments for the medical terminology, and then afterwards, we'll get into 
pathologies as well as just other medical terms and diagnoses from which we get Latin and Greek from. But um, I left off at costa, which referred to rib. So next we have coxa, C-O-X-A. This is this means hip um, in Latin and and or hip joint. Um, this is actually actually where we get coccyx, cocci, coxephemeral. Um, cuspus is our next one. Cuspus, which is um, cuspidis, is its uh, genitive singular ending, and uh, it means point or end. So this is where we get something like bicuspid. Next, we have dens, dentis. This is where we get tooth, means tooth. This is where we get dentin or dentist. The odont turns into the genitive form of dentes, and that's where we get periodontis. Peri meaning around. Remember, like a perimeter, around length is what it means, or an around measurement. So periodonts of the teeth, what is around of the teeth, and then if it's an ist, it's a practicer of or a practitioner of, but if it's itis, it is inflammation of, like I talked about with pancreatitis earlier. Therefore, um, I totally just forgot the word that I was, um, periodontist, around the teeth, inflammation of. What is around your teeth? Well, your gums. You have inflammation of your gums, gingivitis, periodontist, periodontitis, rather, all that stuff. You go to a periodontist. Anyways, let's get on into dexter, our next one. Dexter, dextra, dextrum uh, means right. And refers to, dexter refers to your right hand. Um, it's funny in Latin because uh, dexter refers to right. It's where we get dextrous from epidextrous, both right-handed, but um, left-hand referred uh, is sinister because they had this notion that people that wrote with their left hand were sinister. Interesting. So they would always force everybody to write with their right, right hand. This is also where you get dexterity from. Next one is digitus. This refers to finger or toe. It's where we get digit or digitorum. Dorsum refers to back and upper part. This is dorsal, which is an anatomical position. Uh, it's also where we have a dorsal fin, the back fin. Durus means hard, like a dura mater. Dura mater, dura mater, however you pronounce it. Dura means hard, mater means mother. Hard mother, what's the dura mater? Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and employ a mighty Google because I have her right in front of me because the dura mater is a part of your um, uh, your brain, but I, I can't remember. It's a certain layer. Um, so the dura mater is composed of two layers, the periosteal and the endosteal, periosteal, periosteal around, endosteal within uh, layers, and the meningeal layer. Oh, this is where meningitis comes. Yeah, okay. Um, so the, the dural venous sinuses are between these two layers. The dura folds to form septa and create the falx, cerebri, um, and so many other ones. 
interesting. I'm looking at it right now. So the Dura Mater is the hardest mother. I, I, I find that very interesting. It lies above and right underneath the bone. Um, so it's between the bone and the arachnoid and pia mater. So uh, there's a lesson. I learned something new. This always has me, has me dive back into things that I have yet to review slash remember. So I always love that. All right, next one we have is fascia or fascia. Fascia, I guess, is how it would be pronounced in Latin. Fascia is a band or a bundle of something. This is where you get folliculitis, um, a.k.a. inflammation of your folliculars, a.k.a. your fascia, your tensor, tensor fascia lata, TFL. That's um, your, your, your fascia can also get inflamed, I do believe. I'm not going to quote myself on that one because I'm actually not super certain, but I just want to get into the next one here, which is femur and femoris, which refers to thigh in Latin. This is where we get rectus femoris, rectus meaning upright. It's the superficial muscle that sits up, up top, the vastus intermedius. So if you look at your quadriceps, you're looking at them from top down. You, you, you know that the one the most medial, aka the one that is the most inward, aka that teardrop muscle at the very bottom that touches your knee, it helps in stabilization of the knee as well, is the vastus medialis, the most medial. Um, vastus intermedius is a deeper muscle that sits beneath the rectus femoris muscle, which sits above. The rectus femoris is the third one that I mentioned. Vastus intermedius is the second one. And then the fourth and last one, the most lateral is the vastus lateralis. That those four muscles are the four muscles that make up the quadricep muscles. Next one, let's get a, get to ferrum. Ferrum meaning iron. It's actually why we have Fe on the periodic table, um, which means iron, right? It's why I've gotten into why Na means natrium. Natrium is sodium or salt in Latin. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's why we have Na on the periodic table that refers to sodium. It's why calcium is where we get potassium from. Calcium is the formal Latin term for potassium. Very, you know, it's just all this stuff like argentum. Argentum means silver in Latin. It's why we have Ag in Latin as for silver. And then Au for gold because aura, A-U-R-E-A. Next one we'll get into is a fibula. Fibula means a pin or it's a brooch. The fibula is the outer bone of the lower leg. It's just a little pin there, I guess, is why it... Some of them make sense. Some of them don't make so, so much sense. It's why, you know, like when we get to musculus later on, you'll understand like, oh, that's very interesting, the reason why they came up with that. But I'm not going to get into it. Fistula means a reed or a pipe. Fistulas are kind of like rod-like structures. Flectere, and then flectere is the infinitive. It would be flecto would be the first person singular, and flexum would be the fourth principal part, which means to bend. Flectere to flexum, this is where we get the anatomical term flexion, to bend. Genus generis. Genus means origin. 
It's where we get or clan or tribe or, you know, race. It's where we get genotype from. Gingiva refers to the gum. I find this interesting why we have gingiva, which means gum, and then that's where we get gingivitis. Uh, I'm not sure. Is gingivitis the same thing as periodontitis or is gingivitis a lesser form and periodontitis is a much more aggressive form because remember gingivitis more Latin based because we have ginger, which means gums, itis, which means inflammation, gingivitis, gum inflammation, periodontitis, however, is around the teeth, odont teeth, and then itis referring to inflammation. So periodontitis is inflammation around the teeth. What's different about either of them? Not too sure. Maybe somebody can expound on that for me. Gulla, which means throat. It's where we get the term gullet. Gutter and gutteries. Um, this is where this means throat as well. This is where we get um, guttural. Okay. So there are two words for throat. Um, interesting. Halux halicis, which means uh, the big toe, which is your halix, your big toe. Hamus, mean, which means hook. Your hamus, uh, it's where we get the hamate bone, kind of like a, a little hook to the ground. Halare uh, and halitum means to breathe. Halo, halitum. So this is where we get halitus, it's noun, which means breath. And then it goes on in further. Halitus sounds like, well, exhalation out of ha halitus, ex out of hali, referring to breath, out of breath. Exhalation is the out breath, and then inhalation is the in breath. It's also where we get the term halitosis. Osis refers to a condition of. Halus means breath, but in this case, when you have halitosis, you have bad breath. Or your mouth breather, probably, which is what turns into that bad breath. We're going to get into just a few more. Man, this is turning into a long episode, guys. Thank you again if you've stayed on for this long. I'm just going to do a few more. We have inguin, inguinis, which refers to groin. When I was talking about that earlier, we have the inguinal region or whatever is supra-inguinal, which would be above the inguinal region, a.k.a. my abdomen, or infra-inguinal, which would be below the groin region. Intestinus refers to internal. That's where we get the word intestine, which is internal to our body. Um, something that we don't really know all too a lot about because it is one of those that we can't really understand until the person's dead and we um, dissect them and understand what the, um, the intestines are doing. Otherwise, we don't really have a good understanding. That's why gut... Um, health and understanding is becoming one of these things that is just sought out more so because we're becoming more and more plagued with all of this bad stuff. So we're having to seek out methods in which we can mitigate the, all this gut health problems. Anyways, jejunus remains empty, fasting, or dry. It's where we get the jejunum. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I forget. Uh, which is a part of the intestine. It's actually between the duodenum, duo meaning two, and um, and denim for referring to stomach. I I do believe 
but don't quote me on that one either. It would make sense because the duodenum is basically at the after the stomach. It's when you start to um, gastric emptying starts to occur into the duodenum that leads into the jejunum, which then leads into the ileum and then into the large intestine. So last one that I'm going to do with the with the J and then we'll leave it there. We'll start out L for next time. The jugulum, the collarbone um, or the neck of the throat. This is where we get the word jugular, subjugular, intrajugular, all those good terms. So thank you again, everybody, for joining me on this long, long episode. Um, I do appreciate you guys. Please go ahead, if you haven't already, give me a follow. I might start wanting to mention these, giving me a, a follow and or, you know, some love on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify because... Um, I do tend to ramble and I apologize, but it's just sometimes me when I got a lot of things going on in my head, um, you know, I sometimes just want to get it on out. So without further ado, we'll leave it at that. Thank you again. We're going to start at L starting at L with the medical Latin terminologies and nomenclature for our next episode. So thanks again, everybody. Tempus est discalere.